morning. There we are. We're on the ICF Rome International Facebook page. Welcome to Thursday Connect Online. This is Pastor Jennifer Pasquale sitting here in the Bella Vita room, ready to join you for Thursday Connect Online. You know, this week, the Lord has been prompting me and impressing me so many things. I'm just double checking here that we're all online, waiting for you to let me know that you're online. Hallelujah. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. 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 Here we are. There we go. Now I got some people joining me. Type in the chat. Yes. Thank you, Eunicia. Good morning. Awesome. Hi, Michelle. We are continuing our study. And as we think about the world that we live in, hi, Salome. Um, it's a world of confusing things. It's a world of chaos. It's a world where we need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So we are continuing our book study on Be Comforted, a study from the book of Isaiah. And certainly we can see in Isaiah that we can see that God predicts through his holy prophet he has promises for us. We look over in the New Testament, we see those promises are fulfilled. So today, no matter what you're going through, no matter the uncertainty that you're facing, no matter the questions and the chaos that are in our lives, I want us to pray this morning. As you're joining, welcome, 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 each and every one of you. Hi, Barb. So glad to see you all. Hi there. Hi, in the name of Jesus from the Philippines. Welcome. We're happy to have you. Um, let's just pray and invite the Lord to be with us. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament of the Holy Scripture, the Bible. God, we thank you that you predicted and fulfilled time and time again. And even now in the midst of our world, you have promised that we don't need to be afraid that you would send the comforter who would comfort our hearts in times of turmoil and uncertainty. And today, as we study the book of Isaiah, God, will you please remind each of us to depend and to look up. That's what we learned last week, that when the outlook is bleak, the uplook is fantastic. So Lord, we give you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Now today, you might notice I don't have Mary with me because we're going to have a little bit shorter version. And I am so excited because my daughter, Jacqueline, who's an attorney, but also a woman of the word, the Holy Spirit woke her up early Saturday morning and gave her a message. And so when we finish today at 1245, there is a second premiere recording ready for you right here on the ICF page. And we encourage you. Hi, Rachel, Laura's daughters, that you stayed with Nana. I'm happy to see you, Rachel. Um, I want you to watch and listen to this powerful word of encouragement that the Holy Spirit gave to my daughter, Jacqueline. I know it's for all of us, and I want you to be encouraged because now is the time for God's people, Christians who are full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. We don't look to the right or the left and let the outlook overwhelm us. We look up and let the promises and the prophecies of God inspire us to move forward in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So we are starting today with chapter three, God is with us. If you've got the book, we're on page 41, okay? Um, I just was going to look back for a minute. As we think about last week and what we studied in the book of Isaiah, the last thing we saw was that God was giving a command and Isaiah responded in chapter six, verse eight, here I am, send me, amen? So I would like to ask you, how does a call for repentance spell hope for those who have gone astray? So that's the first question to answer in the chat. How does a call for repentance give hope to someone who has gone in the wrong direction. 
How does a call for repentance give hope? What do you think? Type it in the chat. How does inviting someone to ask Jesus to forgive them give hope for that one who's gone astray? How does that call for repentance give hope? Here's what I know. Isaiah, I want to read you as you're writing. Some of you will see the chat and you will answer it. It's usually a minute or two behind. Trees and prophets. This is from my life application study Bible. Trees and prophets share at least one important characteristic. Both are planted for the future. Wow. Did you ever think that maybe God has planted you for the future, that he's giving you the, the experience of knowing forgiveness. He's giving you the experience of knowing how to repent and feel the love of Christ give you hope so that you could give hope to a future generation of believers, a future circle of friends. Go ahead and type in the chat. I'll be watching for your answers. But here's what Isaiah says. Both are planted for the future. Seedlings, you know, the little babies, are often overlooked and prophets are often ignored. Isaiah is one of these examples. The people of this time could have been rescued by his word, but instead, many refused to believe him. With the passing of centuries, however, Isaiah's word has a shadow on all of history. Isn't that powerful? That a man's word that has been inspired from the Holy Scripture, from God, from the Holy Spirit, could have an impact on history. Your word could have an impact on someone else's history. So important. When he called Isaiah as a prophet, God did not encourage him with all the predictions of great success. God told Isaiah, some people won't listen, but he was to speak and to write his message anyway, because eventually there would be a remnant who would hear and listen. And God compared it to a tree that might get cut down so that a new tree could grow from an old root. Sometimes we have to remember that we're putting roots in people's lives that they might get mowed over for a short period of time, but there will be something that will begin to grow back out of that root. Here in Italy, there's a tree that's planted along this main thoroughfare and the roots just keep bubbling up even though they cut them down. That's why it says when we have our roots planted in the word of God, hi Amy, um, that nothing, the wind cannot change us, amen? The wind cannot change us. Yes, Michelle, repentance changes your attitude and gives you life. It gives you hope. It helps you to put the past in the past where it goes. I want to remind you of these three things we're learning from Isaiah as we go to chapter three today, page 41. God's help is needed in order to effectively confront sin while comforting people. It doesn't say confront people. It says confront sin while comforting people. Amen. Hi. Hi, Amy. Amy was in our Thursday Connect. I don't know. Amy, you can tell us where you're watching from today if you're in the university, but I'm happy to see you as a part of this. God's help needed to confront sin, but comfort people. The second is that one result of experiencing forgiveness after that repentance is the desire to share that with others. And to know that God is pure and perfect, holy, just, and loving. I don't look at God like I look at any earthly human being. And I want to encourage you today. If you have tried to compare God in your mind to someone you know, don't do that. God is incomparable. His riches are incomparable. His, his abundance of love and forgiveness is insurmountable. It's uncontainable. Um, it is amazing. Yes, Amy's in Romania on the road. I'm happy to know you're with us today, Amy. So today, how, how about this? Chapter three, God is with us. That's our chapter. God is with us. 
So much so that at 1245, I'm going to remind you, Jacqueline, my daughter, has recorded a video that the Holy Spirit will corrupt to say, I'm with you, and now is the time for you to walk in that confidence. I know it's a word from the Lord that will just capstone what we study today. So get ready when 1245 hits, and that recording will be there. You can preview it or review it at any time. It will stay up on the website. So again, the question is, how does confronting sin and asking God to forgive us, how does that repentance give hope? Well, here's what Isaiah says in chapter 8, uh, but I, it starts with, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts. Amen? We've each been given a job, a task. My friend Amy is watching from Padova, where she serves the community up there. And uh, Eunicia is watching from France and other places. Amy's in Romania. Michelle and Barb are in America, in Michigan and Ohio. I want you to know that God has put you in a place so that you would know how to share with the people that you share with in the midst of your circumstance. I can trust in an almighty God because he is with us. So today, as we look at Isaiah, there's going to be some difficult things to understand. We're looking about the meaning of events. In this particular section of chapter 7 through 12 in the book of Isaiah, we're in chapter 3 of our book, Be Comforted. But we're looking at Isaiah chapter 7 through 12, okay? And we are going to look very specifically at the failure of the leaders to trust the Lord. Now, I want to say to all of us today, I have several pastors who join at different times. You're a leader. You're a person of influence where God has placed you. And I don't ever want it to be said of us as leaders and influencers that we failed to trust the Lord. It may look bleak. It may look uncertain, but my God will supply all we need according to his riches. Nothing is too difficult for him. And I do not want one of us leaders, one of us ministry team captains, one of us ministry encouragers to let it be said of you, you failed to trust the Lord. I will trust the Lord in all things. Amen. So there are four symbolic meanings involved in Isaiah's messages in chapters 7 through 12. The first one we see is Emmanuel. We know from Christmas we hear that Emmanuel means God with us. Type that in the chat. Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to look at the signs of Emmanuel in chapter 7. This is so powerful. So the Lord said to Isaiah in verse 3, Go out and your son to meet Ahaz at the end of the pool on the upper road. Say to him, it says in verse 7, be careful, be calm, don't be afraid, and don't lose heart. And he refers to these kings <laughs> as smoldering stubs of firewood. Imagine the kings and the rulers and the people in politics, and he's calling them two smoldering stubs of firewood. He says, don't lose heart because of these people. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 4. Be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. And do not lose heart because of what you see in the rulers around you. Okay, very important. So then it says in verse seven, yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. Don't worry, this isn't going to take place. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be shadowed. And here's what it says in verse nine. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand firm at all. Amen. So as we know that God is with us, Isaiah chapter seven, verse four reminds us to be careful, to keep calm. Don't be afraid and don't lose heart. Aren't those four powerful messages you could use today? Be careful. 
Be careful what you say. Be careful what you post on social media. Be careful of your witness for Jesus. Be careful. Keep calm. <laughs> I need that. Sometimes I'm not calm. I'll just tell you. I get excited. I get anxious. I get activity motivated. Keep calm. That's what I love about Thursdays because it helps me calm and read the word of God. In the chat, because we want this to be a group interaction while we can chat and others can look back. Mary, you can help me. Mary Davina, what keeps you calm? That's the question I have for you. What keeps you calm? Amen? What keeps you calm? While you're writing, what keeps you calm? It says that there were four meanings in Isaiah's messages during these chapters 7 through 12. Emmanuel, Meher Shalala Hashbaz, Shir Jasub, and Isaiah. The first one, Emmanuel, we know, God with us. It is a message of hope in perilous, perilous times. They were playing power politics, it says, as we study this, instead of trusting in the power of God. And when I, when the Lord commanded Isaiah to take his son, oh yes, Amy, taking walks, <laughs> it definitely helps. And we're so thankful we can take walks now. Praise and worship. Thank you, Barb. Isn't it awesome? Awesome. I hope today after, after this, if you can, um, in Italy, we're blessed. Actually, we can do more walking than sometimes people do in America, but walking is good. I love walking. I love sometimes when I, even when I was in quarantine and I could only be inside my, my yard, I would go outside and walk back and forth around the house just to get some fresh. Yes, Mary Davina kneeling down before the Lord in that moment. Amen. When you start to feel anxious, you just kneel down. It's so precious. Thank you for that. These are important things, practical and spiritual and physical. Whether we're walking, whether we're singing, whether we're listening, whether we're kneeling, those are physical things we can do. And it definitely helps keeps us calm. There was a lot that was happening, but the Lord commanded Isaiah to take his son. Now listen, his son was named Shir Jashub, and it means a remnant shall return. Wow. Wouldn't you like your son's name to be, you're going to be a part of the remnant that believes in God. In this day and age, in our world, in the turmoil, in the uncertainty of COVID-19, a remnant who will trust in the Lord. I want to be a part of the group that trusts in the Lord. I want to be a part of that remnant. On page 42, it says that Ahaz's heart had been wavering and the hearts of his people had been shaking for fear. They could not get it. They were shaken by the wind. And this is when God said, be careful, keep calm. Don't be afraid. Don't be shaken by the wind. Very important. So Isaiah came with a message of assurance. Take heed, be quiet, don't fear, don't be faint hearted. How could Isaiah find, or Ahaz, sorry, how could Ahaz find this inner peace? By believing God's promise that the enemies of the Lord would be defeated. If you will not believe, surely you will, be, you will not be established. Because the Bible says he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Amen. I want us to remember that if we don't stand firm in our faith, we're not going to stand at all. And how, how much more is that important? Um. So as we're looking at these things, amen, part of the remnant. That's right, Amy. Amy, I know that you minister to a lot of students and young adults in university. Um, how do we stand firm in our faith when everyone else around us is questioning? How do we stand firm in our faith when everyone around us is questioning? I will tell you, I run to the word of God. I look at how in this study, man alive here, look at verse 8, 12. It says, don't call conspiracy everything that these people are calling conspiracy. Don't fear what they fear. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He's the one you are to fear. He will be a sanctuary, okay? 
bind up the testimony and seal up the law. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. Here am I and the children the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols from the Lord Almighty. Wow. Know who we believe in before the testing comes. Amen. He was grounded before the testing started. Amy, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Now is such an important time to build up those roots like that tree planted by the rivers of living water. We can't, we can learn to know God at any time, but how important is it that we learn to know God when everything is calm in our own being, in our own life, that we choose. The Bible says, choose you today who you will serve. You're going to choose today because tomorrow you're going to need to know that you know that you know that the Lord is God. When I think about what's going on in this world, and I look at Isaiah chapter 8, and he begins to say, because the people have rejected the waters and rejoices over these things, the Lord is about to bring against them the mighty flood waters. It will overflow and sweep over. Um, raise the war cry, you nations, and be shattered. Listen, prepare for battle. That's what Amy just said. Know who you believe before the testing comes. Prepare for battle. Devise your strategy. Um, but God is with us. And so there's this contrast that's in the book of Isaiah where he's saying, you know, it's predicted. If you don't trust God, there's going to be things that happen. And Ahaz's heart was wandering, and there was these threatening kings, but God was also giving a promise. In verses 10 through 16, it says, this would be a sign to the house of David. If Ahaz had believed God's promise, he would have broken his alliance and called the nation to prayer and praise, but the king continued in his unbelief. Realizing the weakness of the king's faith, Isaiah offered to give a sign to encourage him. How important that we encourage one another. Of course, the ultimate fulfillment would be the Lord Jesus Christ, God with us. We see it in Emmanuel. We see it in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. These are important, important passages. Jesus had to be born of a virgin apart from human generation because he existed before the world began. And this sign would have immediate significance to Ahaz. And so as you study, you'll see that God is saying, I want you to carry the name. <laughs> as I, I look in Isaiah, I can uh, see in chapter eight where it says, Bind up the testimony. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face. I will put my trust in him. That's what, that's what Amy said. We have to know. Bind up our testimony. Bind up our faith that nothing will turn it away. Amen? Here am I and the children of God. Now, it goes on to say, wise men, this is very important for many in our world. I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 8 verse 19. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 19. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter should not tell a people inquire of their God, why consult the dead on behalf of the living? This to me is a very good example of we are not to consult mediums. We are not to read the tarot cards. We are not to look at the zodiac signs in astrology. We are not to say, oh, it's just a fun thing. But you're opening yourself up to that new age that the enemy controls. And God is very clear. Only God, only Jesus Emmanuel can save us from our sins. And we should not look to the dead we, we don't believe in reincarnation. We don't believe that we call up the spirits of the dead to honor them. Unfortunately, once you're gone, you're gone. However, if you know Jesus, you get to live with him internally. And that's amazing. So we never die if we're with Jesus. Amen? We, we live. Our spirit lives on in heaven. It's only those who have no hope. And so I want to encourage you, if you've ever looked for a verse when someone who said, can I look at 
the Ouija board? Can I look at astrology and the zodiac signs? I would say to you, no, look to scripture. And he says very carefully, why would you consult these things? Why would you look to the earth and see darkness and gloom and then be thrust into outer darkness? But here is what he says in chapter nine. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. These, remember, these are predictions. We, we studied this in the first session of this book study. These are predictions in the Old Testament that we know to be fulfilled in the new. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. I'm in chapter nine, verse two. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest. For in the day you shattered the yoke that burdened them and the bar across their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor. He sets us free. Jesus sets us free. Isn't that awesome? So the zeal of the Lord accomplishes this. He will be called for unto us, verse 6, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Here's the prediction. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord our mighty will accomplish this. This is in chapter 9. Remember, as people of faith, as leaders of faith, we shall not disappoint others with a lack of faith. We can trust in the Lord our God that he will do this, that he is that mighty, mighty power. This would be a sign to the house of David, Isaiah was saying, that God would be with us. Amen. In verses 17 through 25, however, we see this warning to Judah. I'm on page 43 of our book, page 43. Instead of trusting the Lord, Ahaz continued to trust Assyria for help. The farmland would become wasteland and the people would be forced to hunt and the suffering that could have been avoided had the leaders trusted in the Lord. We can learn from what Isaiah told us. It's important to vote for those who believe in the sanctity of life. It's important for making a voice for Jesus Christ. This is very important that our Father God is the one who we stand upon. We promote Jesus. We don't get caught into the turmoil of idle conversations that God has raised us up for such a time as this. In chapter 8, Verses 1 through 22. I know I'm going back and forth a little bit because I want to go through this kind of quickly. Let me just make sure. Okay, thank you. Uh, okay. Meher Shalahashbaz is talking about the warning of judgment. The army was quick to plunder and take the spoil. In the remainder of the chapter, Isaiah uses three vivid contrasts to show the rulers of Judah the mistake they would be making by trusting Assyria, another country, instead of trusting the Lord. I love that we are studying this book right now while there is so much political unrest because we learn from scripture. He's saying, don't look to a country Yes, we have to stand for godly principles. Yes, we need to vote for godly principles, but we cannot look to a country or, or world human people to do what only God can do in our lives. It says they choose a flood instead of a peaceful river. The faction in Judah rejoiced when Assyria defeated Syria and when both Pekah and Rezin died. These victories seemed to prove that an alliance was the safest course to follow. But Isaiah is saying, instead of trusting the Lord, the waters of Shiloh that go softly, they trusted in a great river of Assyria. God offered his people peace, but in unbelief, they opted for war. They were walking by sight and not by faith. Isaiah saw no, saw no permanent victory for the invading army. They chose a flood instead of a peaceful river. They wanted something to happen right now. 
How many of us have had that experience? We want something to happen right now. I want to remind you, I think this is our message for today from Isaiah chapter, let me go back to it, seven, seven verse four. Be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid, and don't lose heart. That is the message today. Amen. So don't choose a flood instead of a peaceful river. What does that say to us about our life? Mary Kieri, maybe you might have a thought. Sometimes are we tempted to choose a flood of answers instead of waiting for the peace of God to move us in a relationship, to move us in a solution, to move us in a, re in a resolution? He's saying, don't choose that thing that's going to wash over and bring turmoil. Choose a peaceful river. How does that speak to you today? How does choosing a peaceful river apply to my life today? I'm going to let you answer. Amen. Amen. Here's something else they did in verses 8 through 11. They chose a snare instead of a sanctuary. God warned Isaiah not to follow or support the popular pro-Assyrian party, but even his stand was looked upon as treason. Isaiah opposed these things and urged people to put their faith in the Lord. And the Jewish political leaders were saying, is it popular? Is it safe? That's what some people were saying. Is it popular? Is it safe? But the prophet was saying, is it right? Is it in accordance with the will of God? When you fear the Lord, you don't need to worry if people are saying you're not in the popular group. You're not in the one making the loudest noise. You're not in the one that's standing up for all the circumstances. Peter referred to this in 1 Peter 3, 14 through 15, when he said, but in your hearts, do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Peter was referring to this same passage from chapter eight, don't call conspiracy what they call conspiracy. Don't fear what they fear, okay? Remember the Old Testament to the New Testament. I love how the Bible proves itself over and over. Peter came many, many years after Isaiah, generations after Isaiah. Here Isaiah in chapter eight is saying, don't fear what people fear. Then we look at Peter who says in 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15, do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. This is the relationship. Faith moves our relationships. That's what we're focusing on this month in ICF Rome in October. Faith moves our relationship. So don't fear what everybody else is fearing. Don't be frightened. But in your heart, revere Christ as the Lord. Be prepared to give an answer about that. Amen, Mary. Thank you for that scripture passage. So powerful. We also see as we look on that they chose darkness instead of light. The nation had rejected Isaiah's message, but that did not mean his ministry was a failure. I believe this is a word for somebody today. Maybe you have felt like, you might watch this later. Maybe you have felt like your ministry has been rejected and it's a symbol of your failure. We can look at Isaiah and say he was rejected by a lot of people, but his ministry was a success that carried on for generation after generation after generation. When I see my little five and six-year-old granddaughters coming out of Wednesday church or Sunday school church, quoting the word of God and wanting to send me that video, that says to me, my ministry, my influence, my trust in the Lord is a success. You can only look to the person on your right or your left that's sitting at your table. I know Barb is there watching with her grandchildren today, with her granddaughter. Rachel, you can listen to what your grandmother has said about her faith. Michelle, your beautiful daughter is with you. And she can see my mother has never given up faith. 
Our grandchildren can see they haven't given up faith. Amy, your students who have said, man, they were in America and they came back to Italy because they trust in the Lord our God that he's real and relevant. Your ministry is not a failure when you put your trust in God. It's not necessary to be popular. Amen? <laughs> Thank you, Mary Kieri. Yes, yes. Reminds us that the way to eternity is narrow and less traveled. Amen. Learn to be patient. Amen. 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 Don't choose darkness instead of light. So number one, they chose a flood instead of a peaceful river. And Isaiah was warning them, don't do that. Number two, they chose a snare, a trap instead of the sanctuary. Wow. I want to say to us, this Sunday, we are starting two services. Um, I've got just a few minutes because we have to be done at 1245 today. But I don't want to choose the trap of staying home, being isolated. If you can get to church, if you can get into the sanctuary of God, even if you do it online through worship, don't let the trap of the enemy pull you away and cause you to be fearful and fretful. They chose darkness instead of light. The nation rejected Isaiah's message. I will not choose darkness. I will choose light. I will choose hope. I will choose faith. I will choose to declare Jesus. Though sickness overwhelms us sometimes, though death can even take our loved ones from us, if they know Jesus, we know that they will live eternally. They aren't dead. They will live eternally. The Holy Spirit brings comfort, and we choose to look at darkness or light. I'm going to ask you to type it in the chat. You're going to have to do it quickly because I know I'm a couple minutes ahead of you. I choose light. I don't. I choose light over darkness. I choose hope over hopelessness. I choose faith over fear. What are you choosing today? I choose joy over sorrow. I choose confidence over intimidation and over insecurity. I choose light over darkness. Amen. That's what God wants for us. So here we're going to page 46. Jacqueline is going to talk to us about the time is now. This is what Isaiah was saying to them. No matter what's going on in the world around you, I'm on page 46 of the book. Sheer Jessub means a promise of mercy. A remnant shall return. I want to be part of the remnant. I want to be part of the remnant. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Me too. I choose faith over fear and uncertainty. Hallelujah. Yes, Julia. Light, hope, and joy. Amen. I want to be part of the remnant that there is a promise of mercy and the remnant can be seen as we study these verses. God's mercy to his people is seen in four ministries the Lord performed for them. Four ministries the Lord performed for them, okay? We're gonna hit this next week starting on page 46, but I'm gonna give them to you. I'm gonna highlight them. Yes, we choose joy over sorrow. The Lord promised a redeemer, Emmanuel, divine relationship, the divine exchange. There will be, it says in chapter nine, verse one, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. Chapter nine, verse one. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. We may have been in distress. We may have been in lockdown. We may have been in quarantine, but we are choosing, yes, Mary, to trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. Thank you for these comments. Thank you for being a part. I love to see you and hear your testimony. Today, as I was coming in, I've got four minutes. I just want to pray for you. The Lord promised a redeemer. He did judge people for sin, so repenting is very important. But here I want you to see in Isaiah 9, 12, for all his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. If God cannot bring us to repentance through his word, he will lift his hand and chasten us. If we do not submit to his chastening, he will stretch out his hand and judge us. God is long-suffering. 
but we dare not tempt him by our careless attitude. Remember, that's what chapter seven said. Be careful. Be careful. Keep calm. God wants us to be aware that he will judge us for sin, but he will also forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all that unrighteousness. And in chapter 11, verse one, it says, the Lord will restore his people. Okay, I'm skipping over a lot, but I want you to know here in 11.2, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, he will delight in the fear of the Lord. That means the respect of Almighty God. This is the divine exchange where each one of us say, I choose to repent of my doubt. I choose to repent of my wrong attitude. I choose to repent of things that have tarnished my witness in any way with any of my loved ones or those outside of my close circle as well. I choose to trust in the Lord my God. And today, as you click on next, if you have time, please watch this message. I'm going to be watching it with you and I'm going to type some, some comments it's time. It's time for the remnant to stand up. It's time for us to stand up and say to those who have been around this, this uncertainty in life that my God will supply all my need. Amen. So Lord, I pray as we listen to Jacqueline now that you will speak to our hearts, that you will remind us that the spirit of the Lord has rested upon us to give us wisdom, to give us understanding, to give us counsel and power, and that the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, you will take delight in those who fear you. And God, we trust that you will be with us. I pray for your people today that we will not deny that there is a judgment for sin, but there is also a repentance for sin. And so, Lord, we're going to end this time together. I'm holding your hand right now. If we weren't social distancing, thank you for joining us. Thank you for knowing that I'm praying with you. I'm believing with you for the things that we've been praying for together, that God will bring victory. But most of all, 11-1, <laughs> that the spirit of the Lord will rest upon you and give you wisdom and counsel and power. And we will say, yes, Lord, to this testimony. Let's watch Jacqueline together. Good morning, friends. I want to share a word with you that the Lord has given me. It is time. Many of us have been through a season, a challenging season called 2020. And the Lord has revealed to me that that season is coming to an end in a new season is beginning. So if you would just linger with me for a few minutes and let me share with you what the Lord is speaking to me. And maybe it'll bring encouragement to you as it has to me. First Kings chapter number 19, the message version, beginning in verse number three. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and went on into the desert another day's journey. He came to a lone broom bush and collapsed in its shade, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all, to just die. Enough of this, God. Take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Exhausted, he fell asleep under the lone broom bush. Suddenly, an angel shook him awake and said, get up and eat. He looked around and to his surprise, right by his head were a loaf of bread, baked on some coals and a jug of water. He ate the meal and went back to sleep. The angel of God came back, shook him awake again and said, get up and eat some more. You've got a long journey ahead of you. He got up, ate and drank his fill and set out. Nourished by that meal, he walked 40 days and nights all the way to the mountain of God, to Horeb. When he got there, he crawled into a cave and went to sleep. Then the word of God came to him. So, Elijah, what are you doing here? 
I've been working my heart out for the God of the angel armies, said Elijah. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I am the only one left. So now they're trying to kill me. Then he was told, go. Stand on the mountain at attention before God. God will pass by. A hurricane ripped. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God. But God wasn't to be found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. But God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire. But God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle and quiet whisper. When Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face with his great cloak, went into the mouth of the cave and stood there. And a quiet voice asked him, So Elijah, now tell me, what are you doing here? And Elijah said it again, I've been working my heart out for God, the God of the angel armies, because the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant. They've destroyed your places of worship and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. But God said to Elijah, go back. Go back the way you came through the desert to Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, make him king over Aram. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi. Make him king over Israel. And finally anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. It goes on to say that Elijah went straight out, and he did find Elisha, and he did do as God had planned for him to do. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, I'm asking you right now in 2020, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts of your people and that you would let us know what you're trying to tell us. In Jesus' name, amen. Obviously, that chapter in Kings 19 is very packed. Elijah, a prophet, a man of God, was discouraged and distraught, so much so that he was depressed, even suicidal. He prayed that he would die. And I believe that when he fell asleep, he prayed that he would wake up in heaven. But God still had a plan for Elijah. Elijah still had breath in his lungs and the plans and the purposes that God had predestined for Elijah, he still had for Elijah. And notwithstanding Elijah's discouragement, God was patient with Elijah. And he gave him time to recuperate. In the Bible, a day is like a thousand years. We don't know how long Elijah got to rest, how long the ministering spirits, the angels provided for Elijah food and water and rest. Oftentimes it's easy to forget about those practical things. Food and water and rest, those things are really important. And sometimes when we're discouraged, that's when we eat the worst. We eat all sorts of junk food, ice cream, cookies, to try to get comfort. We drink things like soda, caffeinated drinks to help keep us going. But there's something about proper nutrition, vegetables and fruit and water. And there's something about sleep. And so as we endeavor together to be more practical with our eating and our drinking and our sleep, God continues to honor us. Because as long as we have breath in our lungs, the plans and the purposes that God has for us are still yet for us to fulfill. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse number 3, it says to put on the garment of praise. You know, sometimes we try to explain or excuse our demeanor or our attitude. The world around us is heavy and chaotic and hard. And so it's easy to excuse our discouragement. But joy, the fruit of the spirit, joy is a choice. To put on the garment of praise, to put on joy to allow the Holy Spirit within us to exude joy through us we get to tap in to the power and the presence of the Lord because that resurrection power is in us but God is a perfect gentleman he's not going to force us to turn the light on it's there 
it's there, but, but we have to choose to turn the light on. We have to choose to allow the joy of the Holy Spirit to flow through us. In Ecclesiastes, it says that there is a time, a season for mourning, but there is also a season for joy. There is also a season for dancing. There is also a season for laughter. And that season is now. You know, it's interesting. If you look in 1 Kings chapter 18, we were in the middle of a drought. And there hadn't been water for a long time. And Elijah fought with the prophets of Baal on the mountain and he had his altar drenched in water and ultimately the fire of the Lord consumed his altar and not that of the prophets of Baal and so the people knew that the Lord was God that Elijah's God was the one true God and after that Elijah's servant Elijah sent him to go see that the rain was coming. And seven times he went. And six times he returned and said he saw nothing. But the seventh time he returned and said he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. And you know, the rain came. And the drought was over. So most of us would say that that was a time of great victory for Elijah. That was a time when Elijah should have been rejoicing, should have been excited about the, the power and the anointing that God had on his life. And yet still, he was discouraged. And still, God had patience with Elijah. And God still had a plan and a purpose for his life. And God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. As long as there is breath in your lungs, you have a plan and a purpose that God preordained for you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And that purpose is for you to fulfill. It is time. It is time to put on the garment of praise. It is time to cast off the spirit of heaviness. It is time to rejoice in the plans and the purposes that God has for you. It is time to make like Jonathan and set out and believe that perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. And in fact, he will because God honors our faith. And as we rise up, as we take those steps in faith, notwithstanding the circumstances that we see around us, God meets our faith and answers us. And so to you who are discouraged, be encouraged. To you who are mourning, put on joy. Now is the season for rejoicing. Now is the time to carry out the plans and the purposes that God has for you. To you who feel like God put a seed in your heart, an assignment in your heart, it is time. Get moving. Go back and do the plans and the purposes that God had for you. And as you go, he will equip you. Those he calls, he also equips. And he is equipping you with the armor of God. And we have to put on the armor of God. And we have to put on the fruits of the Spirit. And we have to choose to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us, to allow those fruits of the Spirit to exude through us. That as we walk into the room, peace is walking into the room. As we walk into the room, joy is walking into the room. As we walk into the room, self-control is walking into the room as we walk into the room the Holy Spirit is with us enabling us encouraging us to be that which he has called us to be whether at your home whether at your workplace whether at your church whether in your neighborhood whether in the grocery store whether when you get your hair done God is with you it is time 